we're talking about how to meditate in God's word. This is a subject that is so foundational to your Christian life that this is something that you have to have at the forefront of your life always. You must, as a child of God, learn how to think differently. Learn how to think in line with the word of God. As a human being, see, we cannot move in a direction that we don't see, right? So the Holy Spirit is on the inside of all of us. And notice it says, Jesus said about him, listen, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all the truth. And then in another scripture, he says he will show you things to come. He didn't say he would tell you, he would show you, right? So this is what happens when you meditate in the word of God. You begin to see. The Holy Spirit opens the word up on the inside of you as you meditate in the word of God and light comes and understanding comes of the word of God and you see something differently, right? You've heard me say this before. Words are containers. Don't buy that lie that you learned in kindergarten. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That is, no, sticks and stones, they could break your bones, but man, I'm telling you, names, they hurt. They hurt, hurt sometimes long-term, right? So words are containers. So if this was a word of God, it would contain his thoughts. So in other words, see, his thoughts are in there, and the Hebrew word yester, talking about thoughts, is real interesting because thoughts, the word yester means something that shapes and forms. So here's the thing. Satan's words that are contrary to God's words, they carry death, and they will try to form a, a thought process, a belief, or imagination in you contrary to what God says. Things like, I can never do this. I, I'm, it's never going to be okay, right? My life is over. All these things, death, death, death. But Jesus said, my words are full of life, right? So the word of God, Hebrews, my words are full of life and they're powerful. That means they're active and effective. So when we talk about meditating in the word, what we do is we meditate in the word. We'll take the word of God, something that it says, let's say as an example, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or let's use this as an example. God always gives me the victory in Christ, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. So you're in a battle in your life, and it's looking like it's going backwards, right? That it's not working out, it's getting worse. But you take the word of God because the word of God is the will of God. The word of God is not a truth, it is the truth. And the truth of God's word will change any fact in this natural realm that's contrary to it. So all of a sudden, I start taking the word of God, and I, and I could quote the scripture, but it doesn't mean that I see it. Do you get that? So I start saying to myself, I start pondering in my heart, I start thinking in my heart, I start muttering and speaking the word of God, Right? Remember I used the example, the closest example naturally of meditating in the word is a cow chewing its cud. They chew their food, they swallow it, then they bring it back up and they chew it some more, then they swallow it. That's really disgusting, but that's what we do with the word. So as, we, as, as I keep saying it, every time a circumstance hits me, a thought hits me, no, Father, I thank you that it is written, you always give me the victory. You always cause me to triumph. As I keep saying that over and over, now I'm saying it with my mouth, but I'm also saying it down in my heart. The Holy Spirit, what he does is Psalm 119, I think it's verse 130, the entrance of his word gives light. That word entrance in the Hebrew language means the opening of his word gives light. So the Holy Spirit opens the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the entrance or he's the, I'm sorry, it's, he's the agent of divine revelation. So he opens the word of God, 
And now light comes out of the word in my spirit. And my spirit gains understanding. The entrance of his word, it gives light and it gives understanding. So all of a sudden now, and we call that to the wisdom of God, all of a sudden I have an understanding of the word of God and it will literally, it's the wisdom of God also which will tell me how to apply the word and what to do. So now light comes and my spirit gets it. My spirit hears it and now faith is birthed. And then my spirit, because God will never talk to your mind. He never talks to your mind. Satan can't talk to your spirit. He only talks to your mind. So what happens is me, the spirit being that I am, I translate that revelation from the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I translate that into a thought and it's communicated to my mind. So now the word comes out of my heart, the meditation of my heart, right? So now it comes out, and now we call that in the Bible the washing of the water of the word. It, this thought from God's word hits my mind. What does it start doing? It starts renovating, renewing my mind. If you were to renovate your kitchen, what's the first thing that you would do? You'd rip out the old stuff, right? the word of God will start doing that. See, for me, I didn't even know it, but when I was growing up, I had this lie that the enemy planted. God showed me when I was much older that it was literally when I was about four and a half years old that I was worthless, right? And that lie, that was in me. I didn't even realize it, but it was, it was affecting my life in so many ways and then one day, the Lord, through just being in the word, all this stuff, I, I saw it. I saw that lie, and man, it's like worthlessness fell off of me. Now, the enemy will still bring a thought once in a while. I almost laugh at him because that just sounds so stupid to me now because now I know who I am in Christ. But these lies of the enemy, see, the word of God will go in and uproot that. So the word went into my mind and renovated, pulled that plant of worthlessness out of me. I remember when it happened. When, when it happened, I was at a friend's house in, in the, southern, uh, the southern part of Chicago, uh, one of the suburbs. I went, we went to Raymond with them. I was, just, I was just minding my own business. I was walking down in their basement area and instantly... I was free. And the Lord told me, he said, Tony, when a lie of the enemy is exposed, it loses all of its power. Well, what happened, I understand, the Lord pulled that out. Revelation knowledge of the word of God through meditating the word pulled that worthlessness stuff out and started replacing it with what the word says. Renovating. That's what we're talking about. Remember how the word says in Psalm 119, verse 105, his word is a lamp to my feet. Well, what do you mean a lamp? When the Holy Spirit opens the word of God, light comes out, you know where you are. Now, you would think that you would always know where you are anyway. But no, things get real confusing with the enemy. But when the light, see, if there was darkness in here, the minute we turned on lights, there's no darkness anymore. Light always dispels darkness. God wants you to walk in the light. The Bible says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter to the full day. What is that? Deeper and deeper revelation of his word, of who he is. That we're to walk in that light. Not only is his word a lamp to my feet, but it's a light to my path. It tells me where to go. It guides me. It renovates my thinking. So this is why I must, I must meditate in the word of God. There's not a lot of books written on this. There's not a lot of teaching on it. But yet it's all over the Bible. You could see it everywhere, right? So in review, we've kind of gone through some things. Zach, you could put the first one up. The definition of the meaning of meditation in God's word. What is the meaning of it? 
It means to ponder, to imagine, to mutter or speak, same thing, and think the word of God in your heart until you begin to see, picture, and imagine yourself being who the word says you are in Christ, having what the word says you've been given in Christ, doing what the word says you can do in Christ. That's the meaning of meditation, okay? Now, what he's gonna do, I'm gonna go through a couple more of these and then we're gonna go on and then he's gonna throw this back up. So for you note takers, this will be back up here if you wanna write this down. The next thing we talked about, yeah, that's a good idea. Or you take your phone and take a picture of it. So, or the next thing we talked about is the purpose of meditating in the God's word. The purpose is what? It is to move us from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word, okay? Because the Bible's real clear, only the doer is blessed, right? I mean, you can read every book on how to play basketball, right? I mean, you could, you could actually, and I always tell this story because it's a great example. A friend of mine, John, uh, when he was in high school in Yorba Linda, California, uh, he was part of a dojo, and Chuck Nor it was Chuck Norris's dojo. And it was when Chuck Norris, you know, he wasn't conquering the world like everybody says he is now, right? But uh, he was like a six-time world champion kickboxer, and he was right in the middle of that. I mean, this guy could hurt you. And you would learn all this stuff, and you would, you would qualify for belt after belt after belt. But when you became a black belt... The final test was, after you went through all the movements and everything, you got in a ring with Chuck. And everybody knew Chuck is coming. And, and it's not going to be a fun experience if you don't fight him. And these guys, I mean, if you could imagine, current reigning champion kickboxer, right? And, and he's coming at you. And so John said, he, he tells a story when he was in high school, so, you know, Chuck comes at him and hits him, and he goes, man, I'd never been hit like that. And, and, you know, I got afraid, and I'm backing up, and the more I would back up, the more Chuck is hitting and kicking, and he's so good that he could, he could not injure you. He could just kind of make it painful without injury, right? And, and, he, and John said, finally, when, when just got in a corner and there was no way out, it just kind of kicked in, and he said, I started... I started learning the movements that I had learned, I started doing them in a combat situation, and that's what Chuck wanted to see. Because in order for, to be a black belt with him, he wanted to make sure you could not only just do the movements when nobody's throwing punches at you, but he wanted to make sure you knew it because you were doing it. Well, here's the deal. In your life, Satan's coming. Right. right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You're going to face a lion... You're going to face a bear. You're going to face Goliath. You're going to go into a fiery furnace. All these stories in the Bible, you're going to face things that in the natural are bigger than you. That's why you must meditate in the word of God so you know how in the middle of a battle to realize, wait a minute, this battle is not between me and this circumstance because I'm in Christ and I've been given authority in the name of Jesus and whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven right? And there's angels at my disposal. And the enemy is no match. Sickness and disease is no match for him, right? So, but we have to learn how to be a doer of the word. But you can't be a doer of the word if you don't meditate, okay? So the purpose of meditation is to move a person from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word. The benefit of meditation in God's word is to cause you to bear fruit and gain the ability to make your way prosperous so that you can deal wisely in all the affairs of your life. The word of God will give you the ability to make your way prosperous. We've got a lot of believers that are running to God and talking to him about their mountain and God's like, you, gotta, you have to talk to your mountain. You talk to your mountain you speak the word of God. You believe it in your heart. You speak it, and it gives me the legal right to move it. 
God says, right? So this is why we learn these things. So then the overall definition of what we have talked about for three weeks of meditating in God's word, it's to move you from being a willing hearer. Remember, to hear the word of God, you gotta hear it with a willingness to do it. If you're sitting here tonight just going, well, you know, I'm not sure about this. I might do this, but I'm not doing this. You won't hear it. You'll just listen to it. But if you have come to the place where you're going, listen, if God said it, I don't have to know how to do it. I just have to be willing to do it. He will help me to, to learn how to do it, right? But the overall definition of meditation in God's word is to move you from being a willing hearer of God's word to where you start pondering, imagining, speaking God's word until you begin to see, picture, and imagine yourself doing God's word on the inside until you are actually doing God's word on the outside. You'll, I, you've heard me say this, you won't see yourself do something on the outside that you haven't already seen yourself do on the inside. If you're a believer, what am I talking about? Why, why do most believers, do you know most believers in the United States never lead anyone to Christ? Do you know why? Because they don't see themselves doing it on the inside. That's the only reason. If they would start meditating in the word of God, you know, and the Holy Spirit will tell you what to meditate on. You would start to see yourself do things. God, whatever he's called you to do just in your natural career, I mean, all of you are full-time ministers. Every one of you. You're disguised as different things. You might be working in different areas or whatever, but you're all on this planet for one purpose, and that's to show the world Jesus, Amen. to bear your fruit in your season. So if you never meditate in the word of God, you'll never even really know who you are. Because remember, this is what happens. I meditate in God's word. The word opens up to me, and what does God reveal? He reveals something about himself, and when I see that, then I move. Then I'm, I'm meditating in the word. God reveals something about himself, and then I walk. That's my walk of faith. I always, I walk under the light of revelation knowledge from the word of God. This is, I don't have moments of revelation. I walk in it. And that's what God wants you to walk in the word, right? And you can't do that if it's a peripheral, right? Now, here's the deal. If I was talking to you guys, and it was the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, even the 1960s, you know, I mean, you went to work, you come home, you're not working 800 hours, you don't have smartphones, you don't have computers, right, all this stuff. Life was a little simpler then. Now, we have more revelation of God's word than any other generation of the church. We have more distractions. We have more pressure put on us, right? I remember a friend of mine uh, in our church in California, this guy, when he got, he, he got a job uh, working for the Equitable as a life insurance salesman, and he was struggling. And uh, now when I knew him, this would have been in the 80s, early to mid-80s, you know, he was making a seven-figure income, seven figures, that's over a million dollars, Right? Uh, and, and I mean, he was making millions and millions of dollars. Well, what happened, he was struggling to just try to do his job and figure it out and working a million hours, wasn't really producing much. And the Lord said to him one day, he goes, why don't you let me teach you how to do this? And the Lord gave him an entirely different way to build the business and he became the number one equitable life insurance salesman in the world. And in Jamaica, he led the current CEO of the equitable to the Lord right? I mean, people used to get down on this guy. I remember one time I was walking in the church and people were talking about him. Man, he's got all these cars. He loved cars. You know, why does he need eight different, you know, Porsches, Ferraris, and all this stuff? And I remember walking up to him and I'm going, hey man, you guys, 
you guys, he spends a lot less of a percentage of his money on cars than you do. But since all of you guys are so holy, I was a little rough around the edges back then. I'm like, do you guys, I go, he's putting, uh, he's putting 12 inner city kids through private school in Los Angeles. Are you guys doing that? And he's sowing hundreds of thousands of dollars here and here and here and here. That's what God has for his children. But he's going to have to change your thinking. Otherwise, you're going to think, I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to get in the word. Right? Well, here's the thing you really don't have time for. You don't have time not to meditate in the word of God. Right? When you're out there witnessing to people, listen, invite them to church. And when they don't come, don't worry about it. Don't make them feel bad. But this is what I want to encourage you to do. Even beyond getting them to church, start getting them reading their Bible. Just read. Just start reading your Bible. And don't, don't tell, now don't just tell them, hey, read your Bible, because guess what they'll do? They, they open it up to Genesis, and if they're, really, if they're really disciplined, they'll die in Leviticus, right, you know? So no, no, you tell them, read, get in the Gospel of John. Read that, then jump over to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Because we want them to get a great big dose of how much God loves them. Then jump back to Matthew and just start reading through the New Testament. Don't worry about how much you read. Really, see, I, I train myself. A lot of people train themselves to read faster. For decades, I've been training myself to read slow. One of the things I love about the King James English, that Elizabethan English, that is just ridiculous but it slows me down, yeah. right? You know, I just, because there's so much truth, but the Holy Spirit will help you. So this is, this is how, this is what we're talking about here. The lifelong process of renewing your mind with the word of God, it's a lifelong process, is one of the most important things in a child of God's life. It changes everything. Because here's step number one for you, for me. God wants to introduce you to who you really are, not who you seem to be. He wants your total and complete identity to be in him. Not based on past failures or past successes. No, everything in him. Because what God's called you to do is beyond your ability. He'll never call you to do something for yourself or by yourself. He'll always call you to do things with him. He'll call you according to his ability. That's how come some of, these some of the times when God leads you into something, it'll kind of freak you out a little bit. You're like, what? You want me to do what? Right? Well, he's not looking at you and limiting your path. Remember, Jesus didn't come to give you a nice little life on the earth. He came to give you the God quality of life. And it all starts right here. The mind is the arena where the devil is most active and where he's most effective. The devil speaks to your mind often, right? Why? To undo the process of renewing your mind. That's why he does it. Because, see, he knows when your mind is renewed with the word of God, it transforms your life. That's Romans 12, 2. Transforms. It brings on the outside who you actually have been made in Christ on the inside. See, most believers are in a constant state of turmoil because they come to church. If they're going to a church where they're hearing the word, they come to church and the process of the renewing of their mind starts, okay? But shortly after church, the devil starts undoing the process of renewing their mind. Just get busy. I got to get 800 things done. The kids are screaming, all this stuff. And in all of this, the Holy Spirit is our guide. He's our helper, right? He's our trainer. I mean, he comes alongside he takes hold together with us. He tells us what we can do in every situation in order to meditate in the word. 
So what is the renewing of the mind? You could say the renewing of the mind, like Romans 12, 2, right? We call it the renovation of the mind because that's what the word renewing means. We're not talking about removing your mind, right? We're not, talk we're not talking about that. No, no, we're talking about renovating it. You need your mind. We're not talking about you stop we're not talking about you stopping thinking, right? You start getting into some of that stuff and you become a Star Trek Christian, boldly going where no man and God has ever gone before, <laughs> seeing things in the word that even God has never seen because it's not there, right? We're talking about meditating in God's word so that God's word can renovate and renew your mind so that you will start thinking in line with this. Here's a big principle in here. All things are possible to him who believes. My God is a God who makes a way where there is no way. Right? He's able to make you the head and not the tail. Put you above only and not beneath. He's able to do all these things. It's, but it's not based on what he can do. It's based on what you, what you can believe, right? So we got to change our thinking. So important. In Romans chapter 12, there's so many things that are listed, right? In Romans chapter 12, you'll never do those things listed in Romans chapter 12 without daily renewing your mind to the word of God. So I want a homework assignment. Go home and just read Romans chapter 12 tonight because it says this. Without daily renewing your mind, you're never going to be able to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. In other words, you're never going to be able to straighten out your behavior because you can't do it. The word is what does it, right? You'll never be able to be transformed. You'll never be able to prove God's will for your life. This is all listed in Romans chapter 12. You won't be able to think properly. Wow, that's big. You won't be able to use the measure of faith that you've been given. You won't be able to be the member of the body of Christ that you're to be. And, and you want to be that, right? Because in a very short period of time, we're going to go from faith to sight. And when Jesus comes for his church, it says he has his reward in his hand. Oh, it's a seven-year party that starts with a reward ceremony. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and everything that he called you to do for him, whatever you did is going to be judged. Did you do it with the right motive? Did you do what he's called you to do? If you don't renew your mind, if you don't meditate in the word, you won't even know what that is. Right now, you'll still be in heaven and it'll be amazing and it'll be wonderful, right? But you don't want to miss it down here. You'll never be able to find, develop, and use your gifts to the fullest measure. Here's a big one. You'll never be able to walk in love, preferring one another, blessing one another, being kind. You won't be able to do that because you'll be self-centered. Right? Talk to somebody who has any kind of emotional issues and just talk to them for three minutes and boy, I'll tell you, when you get free, you could see it. You know, I just want people to love me. And I just, I just never feel loved. And, and nobody likes me. And nobody wants to help me. And, no, and the common denominator of all their speech is me, 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 me. But then you learn, it's like, well, wait a minute. All of us felt that way. But what did we do? We started renewing our mind with the word of God. And all of a sudden... Our focus was not on people loving us. Our focus became, hey, listen, God loves me, so I'm going to love others. And life gets better because I'm not expecting. I, my, my joy is not dependent upon the environment that I live in. My peace is no longer dependent upon the environment that I live in, right? I mean, I'm like a tree planted by rivers of water. Oh, peace. One of these rivers is peace. One of them's strength. One of them's joy, right? One of them's purpose. Man, I'll tell you, 
There's, there, it's a different way to live. And it all starts with renewing your mind to the word of God. You'll never be able to hate evil or overcome evil with good. You know that scripture that we're to, we're, we're, we're to never let the sun go down on our anger. And we teach that in marriage seminars. And it's almost like, it's like that's, not what, that's not what that scripture's talking about. My wife and I, God doesn't want us to fight like cats and dogs, but the sun's going down, honey, we gotta make up. No, 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 no. What that scripture is saying, don't ever stop hating Satan. I hate him. I want a front row seat when he gets thrown in the bottomless pit. Bye. Right? When I'm on the earth for that thousand year millennium, if there's an opening that I, I mean, I hope I could see, hey, how you doing? Loser. I hate him. Why? Because I see what he does to people. Right? I see what he does to children, to people. He's a killer. Can't wait till he's thrown into the lake of fire. Bye forever. Right? I never let the sun go down on my anger for him. Why? Because if I don't hate him, I'll never be able to overcome evil with good. Does that make sense? Treating your enemies as you should, you won't be able to do that if you don't meditate in the word. Because what are you supposed to do to your enemies? Love them. Do good for them that despitefully use you, right? Makes no sense in the natural, but it makes freedom in your life when you walk in it. You won't be able to rejoice as you should. God wants you free. This is so important that you see this. When you meet people who claim to be born again and you see no real transformation in their life, what does it mean? If they're born again, the only thing it means is they've not started the process of renewing their mind. They accepted Christ and it ended there. Right? So, so we're not seeing any transformation in their life. And those of us who are in this process of transformation, listen, this is why we never judge anybody. We give everybody unlimited grace because we know anything good in me is because of the work of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. If it wasn't for that, I don't even want to know where I would be. Right? The key to life's transformation or transformation in a person's life is the renewing of their mind, right? See, what distinguishes believers, people that will say that Jesus is their savior and those that have made him their Lord and you see that in their daily life, the difference is the renewing of the mind if they're born again, right? If they're born again and there's no life change, it's just because they haven't started the renewing of their mind. For me as a pastor, I have to put that on us. Because our office in the five-fold ministry, my job, the gifts inside of me are to equip people. To build them up and equip them so that they can go out and do the work of the ministry. To be who God's called them to be. See, people want a savior. They want a deliverer. But once delivered, they're not really interested in a Lord. Right? I mean, don't you come face to face with that every day in your Christian walk? Yes, every day. Man, sometimes you just want to say something. Amen. But then you go, wait a minute. My life's not my own. Right? But see, if you don't renew your mind... You'll just say something without thinking. When your mind's in the process of being renewed, you might say something, but the minute you do, you'll go, Ugh. and then you'll jump back, make the adjustment, and keep going, right? You're unable to receive all you need. Boy, this is a big one. You're unable to receive all that you need from him until he is Lord of your life. You know, I'm your pastor and I love you very much. But this thing of lordship is not a peripheral issue. It's key in the Bible. And I challenge you. Now, I think I'm preaching to the choir here tonight because I sense a lot of hunger. But I want to challenge you. Every day of your life, submit to the lordship and have him help you. 
because it's a rest and it's full of joy. It's full of peace. God has unlimited mercy. When you mess up, man, he doesn't get down on you. He picks you up and let's keep going. But here's the thing. When he's Lord and when you submitted your life, when you fall, you'll run to him. You won't run away from him. Right? And he's there for you all the time. So, I said all that to say, let's turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You guys ready? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. In other words, brethren. I beseech you, brothers. They're his brothers. This is written to Christians. Those who are saved are the only ones that can do this verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. See, the only reason why I could do Romans 12.1 is because I'm saved and because of the mercy of God. If I try to do it any other way, it puts me under a law that I can't keep, right? And it'll cause me to fail. So how do I present my body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. How do I do that? By the mercies of God. Right? In other words, God has mercy on me, and he helps me. Isn't that good news? So in Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 16, here's another scripture. You could stay in Romans if you want, but if, uh, then they could just put it up on the screen. Hebrews 4, 16 it says this, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Why? That we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I go boldly to the throne of grace every day to obtain mercy from him so that I could present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Right? I'm always calling out for his mercy. See, mercy is interesting. Mercy assumes the need on the part of the one that is receiving the mercy. So when you call on the mercy of God, what you're saying to God is, first of all, I'm acknowledging I need it. I need mercy. The fact that you have the need means that you have the mercy. If you ever have a need in your life, you have the mercy for that need. His mercies are new every morning. And then it says right after that, great is his faithfulness. In other words, he's always going to be faithful to show you mercy every time you have a need. God, I just, I just don't know what to do, mercy. God, what, how am I going to... How am I going to overcome this in my flesh? How am I going to get over this? How am I going to create a discipline here? Mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy also assumes that there are adequate resources available to meet the need on the part of the one who's showing mercy. In other words, we know when we need mercy, we get it. I'm acknowledging that I need it. And we also know that God, what does it say about him? He's the God of how much mercy? All mercy. Right? Last night, I was driving home, and I was coming up 168th, um, just, and you know, I, I go to Fort and then, then start heading home. But when I, when I crossed over Maple, man, it was like, it was like a police convention. Over by the come and go. Did you see that? I'm just like, oh man, there's going to be some people getting free room and board and a jumpsuit tonight because there was a lot of Douglas County sheriffs, a lot of them, and they were surrounding a bunch of guys. I don't know what was going on, but I got to tell you, if you ever see one of those Christmas trees in your rearview mirror and you're going 10 to 15 miles over the speed limit, you're probably not thinking about justice right there. You're probably like, mercy, right? Mercy. Officer Fennis, have mercy. If you're in Bennington, officer, have mercy on me. Caleb, have mercy on me, right? Caleb, right? Yes. 
right mercy. But you need mercy to walk by faith. You need mercy to be thankful. You need mercy to love. When you're going to minister to somebody, I rely on the grace of God and the mercy of God to help me, right? Today, one of our dear sisters in our church, she's, she's unconscious and she's about to go home. She's in the final stages. And, you know, I went up to her room today and was holding her hand and, you know, she could still hear. So I was just, I was just speaking the word to her and just encouraging her, you know, and everything. But man, I'm telling you, she's about to meet the God of all mercy. And she's going to sit there and be with Jesus and know, wow, mercy was all over my life. What does it say in Psalm 23, follows you all the days of your life? The twins, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So in other words, when you get up and you start walking through your day, do you know what's, who's behind you? Mercy. Just walking. And all you got to do is call, and they're like, okay, here I am. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy is the act of God. Peace is a result of mercy in the heart of man. Never forget that. Mercy is an act of God. What's the result when you receive mercy from God? Peace. Man, I'm telling you, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was by my very instinct and nature a child of wrath. Those, those Greek words in Ephesians means something so deplorable it needed to be condemned and damned. And yet God, in all of his mercy, looked at me, looked at you, and he said, man, I'm going down, I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to pay their debt so that they could have our life. That's the God that we walk in relationship with. Mercy describes God's attitude to people who are in distress. Grace describes God's attitude to people who are rebellious. Right? When you're rebellious, man, I'm just out living my own life. I don't want anything to do with God. Grace describes God's attitude towards them. His children, man, when they're in distress, mercy. That's his attitude. Grace gets us saved. Mercy keeps us saved. Keeps us walking in our salvation. See, Lamentations, and you could put that up on the board, Lamentations 3 Verses 22 and 23, it says this. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, this Hebrew word means his tender, loving, great mercy, fails not. Verse 23 says, they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's, see, what does this have to do? This is the foundation of meditating in the word of God. When you begin to start taste, tasting God by meditating in his word, you will start seeing how good he is. He's irresistible. You'll start running after him. The only reason why you're not is because you're looking at something else. Why am I saying all this? Never, ever, ever give up. Because God will never give up on you. Never. To forgive, I got to say this, to forgive or to show mercy. Because see, those of us who have been shown mercy should show mercy. And you need to know this as a Christian. To forgive somebody and to show them mercy in no way means you're condoning what they did to you. you you're not, see, a lot of people can't forgive when they've been hurt because they're like, I can't forgive because this was just so wrong. No, no, no. No, you're not condoning what they did. But you could still forgive them and show them mercy. Right? Yeah. 
So, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Here's another one. Deuteronomy chapter 7 in verse 9. I love this. You guys doing okay? Yes. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I could talk about the mercy of God. You know, if anybody could have wore out the mercy of God, it might have, I might have been a candidate, but I haven't even come close to wearing out his mercy, right? Man, he just, he just loves me. I'm always on fire, Mike, I'm telling you. I've learned to live on fire. It's the only way to live. Deuteronomy 7.9 says this, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, here's a deep revelation, He is God. But here he is, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. See, why am I saying this? This is where, and for many years I lived like this. Some believers live their whole life on mercy and never ever enjoy covenant god god wants you to 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 receive his mercy but he also wants you to grow so that you can start taking part of his covenant because he has given us so much right the goal is to live in the blessings of the covenant and not live our lives relying only on God's mercy. And that's why meditating in the word of God will grow you up spiritually to where, yes, the mercy of God is available to you all the time, but now you are more and more taking advantage and laying hold of the covenant that you have been given, right? That's all the blessings of God. So how do I live like this? If the goal is to live in the blessings of the covenant, how do I get there? Renewing your mind is the road that will get you there. Renewing your mind, how do you do that? By meditating in the word of God. It changes you into an entirely different person. I am not the person I was even three years ago. Literally. I will not be the person in December that I am right now. Because, man, I just keep going deeper and deeper. And God keeps showing me more of who he is. And he helps me more. More mercy. But I'm walking in the covenant. So now you ready for Romans 12.2? Let's jump over here now. Romans 12.2 will show you how to do Romans 12.1. Okay? Romans 12.1 Hey, brothers, I beseech you by the mercies of God, you got to present your body a living, holy sacrifice. And we all know it's a living sacrifice, right? Because it hurts. Our spirit loves following Christ. Our flesh doesn't always like it so much. And to that we say, who cares? Because our flesh is crazy, right? It says here, and be not conformed to the world. This word conformed literally means, you could say, don't be pressed into the mold of the world, the Greek word really gives you the hint, don't be fashioned into the same pattern of the world, right? But be, trans be transformed, changed, transfigured, transformed, how? By the renewing or the renovation of your mind. That word renovation, this, this Greek word renewing could also be, you could also say it this way, uh, to reverse by repetition. That's what that word renewing means. You could reverse by repetition. What do you mean? As you speak the word of God over your life, it will pull out the old detrimental thought processes and put in brand new ones, right? This is why God says, behold, I make all things new. When God heals, there is no scar. See, so many Christians are looking at their life and they have these desires in their heart, but they just don't see any way in the natural for them to come to pass. And, and, and you get frustrated. But I'm here to tell you, when you renew your mind to these things, all of a sudden, all things become possible because you stop looking at the natural and you look at God and you're like, he can do it all. 
Whatever it is, he can make it happen. It doesn't matter that it's never happened before. Who cares? He makes a way where there is no way, right? I love that about God. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove. This word prove means to discern. That you may see something. It also means to determine by experience that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Three adjectives that describe one will of God for your life. You have a path, right? And, but it also denotes a good, acceptable, and perfect also denotes progression. Why progression? Because the renewing of your mind's a progression. So you walk in this in a progression. So let's look at a couple things. we got a few more minutes here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. You guys doing okay? Yes. Hopefully this is helping you. Because, guys, you got to know this. The world has never seen anybody like you before. Hello. Do you know you're one of a kind? Hello. God has a specific plan for your life. You are an original form. When God made you, he broke the form. There's not ever been another one like you, never will be another one like you. There is a specific plan. It's not by chance you're in Nebraska. It's not by chance you're living in the year 2023. It's literally he has set you here for a purpose. So look at this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. He says, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. But then Jesus says this, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. If you look at the Greek words, it would, he would say this, I never knew you intimately. He didn't say, I knew you and you walked away. He said, I never knew you. So, and then we look at, at 2 Timothy 3, and we see in the last days or in the final days, perilous times are going to come because of self-centeredness and self-deception. The Bible talks a lot about self-deception, people thinking it's this way. Did, did the people actually prophesy? Did the people actually cast out a devil? Jesus never said they did. They might have thought they did, right? Have I done many wonderful works in your name? Well, did they? I don't know, right? But look at this. And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. So if you look at the way Jesus taught, he would give you a principle. And then he would amplify the principle. And many times give you a story a parable or something to show the principle. So then he says this, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not because it was founded upon a rock. This is a person who heard the word and did it. Well, how do you do the word after you hear it? You have to meditate in it. What is the rock? It's always revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. Okay? So how do you keep from being self-deceived? By doing the word. Okay? So that's why we're teaching on these things. And everyone, verse 26, that hears these sayings of mine and does them not, shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Notice the same storms came to every house. Right? Some people think they come to a church like this, and they're like, oh, praise God. 
I'm just going to live in victory. I'm never going to deal with anything. Oh, no, you are. Yeah. But the, the, the difference is you're going to be able to deal with it. You'll be able to get Satan out. Oh, no, you're not storm coming in. You're not hailing on my house. Right? Because I have authority. Now, I can't keep hail from my neighbors, but I can sure keep them from my house. I mean, I still remember the storm when my son and my son was just a little guy. I picked him up from a Christian camp. We're coming back, and there's this wall cloud following us. I can't remember what year it was. He was just a little guy. And all of a sudden, we get home, and man, we hear it's hailing. It's just hailing. And, and you, like the grass, it literally, you couldn't see the grass. It was just hail. Just little dots of hail, and it was just wind was blowing. And all of a sudden, I'm looking out the back. Our, we have a sliding glass window door door thing, and I see a piece of my neighbor's roof in front of my neighbor behind me a piece of roof flew over his house and landed in the street. And I'm like, so I turn around to our kids and I'm like, go down in the basement to my wife and my kids, you know? And, and before I knew it, I, I, was, I opened the door and I didn't even think about this, but I was standing on my porch yelling at the storm. You will not damage this house or our property, not a plant, not anything. And, then, and, and so then I come back in the house and, and the kids were still, I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, well, we want to see the storm. You know, and they're like, you know, you took authority over it. It's fine. Well, you know, which is, was a little bit difficult to say. Get down in the basement anyway, right? So anyway, do you remember when, um, like, gosh, it was like a straight line wind? So in our neighborhood behind the Harley Davidson dealership on Maple, there were two houses. The wind hit the front of their houses, blew their garage door out, ripped the roof off and blew the wall behind it into their house. Uh, the trailer, the, an enclosed trailer at the Harley-Davidson dealership, it blew it across four lanes of traffic in a median, through a backyard into a house. So, you know, all this stuff, every, almost every roof in our neighborhood got replaced. So when this storm was over, I walked out our... Our porch was like maybe just little, just enough for maybe one, two people to stand on it. We had a planter. And literally, there was a garbage can on our, on our porch on 18 inches of hail. Just sitting, who don't know whose it was. We just put it out on the street. Somebody came and got it. We don't know. Hail was six inches deep. We had a fern in the planter. And there was like a round circular wall around the fern where the hail had piled up, but not one leaf of the fern was damaged. It was hilarious. So then my neighbor is all over me. Hey, you got to call. You didn't call the American family adjuster. I have American family. He was out here, man, we're getting a new roof. You got to call. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I don't think we need to. Tony, you've got, finally I called. I'm like, okay, Dan, I got to get you off my back. So I called. The adjuster comes out, gets on our roof. He comes down. He was as white as a sheet. He's, he's, he has this laptop and he's showing us pictures. He goes, now, now, seriously, guys, your roof is okay. And, and, and my wife and I are like, oh, yeah, we figured it would be. And he goes, really? Oh, I mean, just the pressure. The, the blood came back in his face, Right? <laughs> Well, is that because I'm something? I can't stop a piece of hail from damaging anything, but my God can, right? This is, the storms are going to come. See, in this story, the difference was what they put in themselves before the storm. One heard the word, meditated in it, and did it. And when the storms came, the storms could not shake the house. The other heard the word, but didn't, do, didn't meditate, didn't do the word, and when the storm came, great was the fall of it, right? Confessing Jesus as your Lord doesn't mean he became your Lord. See, what this whole thing is about, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you've got to do the will of God. To do his will, you've got to understand and know his will, right? 
See, in Matthew, in verse 22, we just went over it. Many are going to say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devils in your name, done many wonderful works? Right? That's why, be careful. Don't be suckered by people who want to prophesy over you. Right? You take it to the word of God. You don't judge the person. You judge the prophecy by the word. Right? Some people who prophesy over people, they mean well. Some don't. Some don't have the person's best interests at heart. Some really have no ownership in their lives. So you got to be careful. Just because somebody's prophesying, hey, I'm a prophet, that doesn't mean you're a prophet. Right? Some people are casting out devils that are not there. Some wonderful, look, wonderful works look really good, but what does it look like six months later? See, we charismatic Christians, I mean, it's hilarious. Somebody comes, falls under the power, and we're like, wow. But I don't judge the power of God by how many people fall down. I judge the power of God by what happens in their life when they get up. Does that, does that make sense? Right? You can't judge the validity of a ministry by these things, these outward acts. You judge the validity of any ministry by are they doing the will of the Father? Are they doing it, right? Hallelujah. Well, man, there's so much more I want to say, but guess what? I'll say it next week. Or I'll say something next week. I hope this has helped you a little bit. If you leave with nothing else, mercy. Mercy, if you have any kind of need in your life, you have the mercy of God. When you receive the mercy of God, it'll cause peace in your heart because he loves you so much.